edition of With All Due Respect. Strong opinions on politics, life, and entertainment. Welcome to another episode of With All Due Respect, the podcast that believes if at first you don't succeed, eh, you're about average. Hello, everyone. I'm Andrew Halcrow, your host. With me, as always, is Mr. Van Sanders. Mr. Sanders, how are you today, sir? Doing well, man. Getting ready to head down to Seward to replace my mom's roof. Going to take a long weekend. Uh, And it looks like nice weather. Seward is a very cool little town. Matter of fact, I bought my Vespa in Seward, of course, with the help of your mother. Side note, the podcast adores Van's mom. All right. I'd like to thank the Anchorage Daily News for hosting this podcast on their platform and remind listeners that the very strong opinions you hear on this podcast are mine and mine alone and in no way, shape, or form represent the views of the Anchorage Daily News or their employees. Today on With All Due Respect, with the legislature closing in in the final days of special session, we ask in our best Jerry Seinfeld voice, what is the deal? In life, we talk about the three biggest cultural trends in America today. But first, let's talk politics. Politics. And now, for some politics. The clock ran out on the regular session at midnight on May 19th. As a result, Governor Mike Dunleavy called a special session to adopt an operating capital and mental health budget and to consider his 50-50 dividend plan. The 30-day special session ends on June 18th. Final votes on the budget are expected to happen second week of June, if at all, with Alaskans facing a serious potential of a government shutdown if lawmakers cannot agree. There have been rumors about wrapping everything into one bill so everyone has something to love and something to hate. But this budget holds the key to either making or breaking a lot of campaign promises. Last year, a handful of new lawmakers got elected promising a full dividend. I mean, this was their clarion call. This was the flag that they planted firmly in the sand. This was the reason why voters went to the polls in the primary last August and turned away incumbent Senator Kathy Giesel and incumbent Senator John Coghill, because both of those senators had the sense of mind, the intelligence, the vision to understand that the governor's proposal for a $2,300 dividend was absolute crazy. But they lost to opponents who campaigned on the fact that they were going to deliver this $2,300 dividend while protecting the state's economy. But now, through every expert that has testified on the governor's plan, there is no question that a $2,300 dividend will eventually bankrupt this state by gutting the dividend program and imposing onerous taxes on both individuals and industry. Now, Senators and representatives weren't the only two that got elected on this bogus promise of this huge dividend payday. Governor Mike Dunleavy stands to lose as much as any candidate. Governor Dunleavy made this his cornerstone of his campaign promise, that he was going to get elected, he was going to grow the economy, he was going to cut the budget and bequeath everybody with a $2,300 dividend. So that's why Governor Dunleavy is still fighting tooth and nail, even though, as I said, every expert that has testified has said this will bankrupt the state. 
As for the governor's 50-50% of market value dividend idea to be enshrined in the Constitution, while it received a lot of hype in the first few days, it has since fallen flat after some conservative lawmakers like Senator Mike Schauer from Wasilla were heard acknowledging that significant new taxes would be needed to pay for it. Hey, you might disagree with Senator Schauer, but at least he's telling you the truth. If you expect a $2,300 dividend, you can expect crippling taxes to pay for it. If lawmakers approve the governor's proposal, they would need to raise an additional $1.5 billion in taxes to pay for it. This is politics at its worst. There is not one financial expert that has testified that says this is prudent fiscal policy for the future of the state. Unfortunately, Governor Dunleavy cares less about the future of the state's economy than he does about delivering on a campaign promise that he has always known will bankrupt Alaska. I mean, seriously, the guy sat for years on the Senate Finance Committee. It would be my advice that state lawmakers should agree on a budget, they should agree on an affordable dividend that doesn't break the formula, and then they should adjourn. Now, I'm going to talk directly to lawmakers through the lenses of a recovering politician. The governor is tap dancing you right into a corner. I mean, y'all can't even see it. The governor is on his high horse. He's promoting publicly the $2,300 dividend, the 50-50 constitutional protections. He's going to throw out in August that no new taxes without a vote of the people. I mean, the governor is tap dancing around issues he knows he cannot obtain. He knows that a $2,300 dividend will bankrupt the state. He knows these constitutional proposals have absolutely no chance of passing the legislature because they require a two-thirds vote. This is a guy who at the end of the day is going to shrug his shoulders in point back back to lawmakers and say, hey, man, I tried. I threw the ideas on the table. They just wouldn't support him. He gets all the credit and you get walked into a corner only to get blamed. Here's my advice. I would suggest that you start pushing back in making this governor at least defend in public his proposals. He is asking you as lawmakers to approve a $2,300 dividend that will bankrupt the state and call for $1.5 billion dollars in new taxes. Then he's going to invite you back in August to consider another constitutional amendment that will require a vote of the public before any new taxes are passed. Now step back and think about this. He's asking you to put taxpayers in a position of a $1.5 billion tax exposure and then ask you to limit the ways that you can raise money to fill this $1.5 billion hole. I mean, I cannot think of a faster way to drive this state over a cliff than what Governor Dunleavy is proposing. This is a lack of leadership. This is six foot four of jello, of populist jello. Let's let the voters decide on taxes. Let's let the voters decide on how much cash we send out. Let's let the voters be governor, for Christ's sakes. Seriously, lawmakers, you are being waltzed into a corner. And this time next year, when there's no $2,300 dividend and the governor is waltzing around talking about how all these wonderful things that he proposed that you wouldn't pass, he's going to end up putting the blame on your shoulders. Now, look, you don't have to listen to me, but these are the words from a recovering politician who's seen this dance way too many times. And now, let's talk about life. All right, let's talk life. And let's talk about three major cultural trends that are influencing America today. 
The first one is one of the fastest growing cultural trends is the rise of the creator economy. The creator economy just keeps growing and growing. What is the creator economy? It's defined as the class of businesses built by independent content creators, curators, and community builders. This includes podcasts, social media influencers, bloggers, and videographers, plus the software and finance tools designed to help them with growth and monetization. Thanks largely to platforms like Instagram and YouTube, people are spending more time consuming content created by individuals. As of 2020, there were 30 million channels on the YouTube platform, and new channels are being created at a rate of 6 million a year. Two years ago, the Harris Poll on behalf of Lego, yes, the very same Lego we knew and love as kids, they surveyed kids from China, the United States, and the United Kingdom, ages 8 to 12. Kids from the U.S. and the U.K. were three times more likely to aspire to be a YouTuber than an astronaut. However, don't quit your day job and stay in school, kids, because 98% of YouTubers make less than $12,000 a year. To quote the great Napoleon Dynamite, that's like a dollar an hour. To get a real feel for the size of the curator economy, a market that didn't exist 20 years ago is now worth roughly $10 billion. Two of the fastest growing methods are podcasts and TikTok. In 2018, there were 550,000 active podcasts on iTunes. Today, iTunes hosts almost 2 million podcasts. To highlight the demand, the queue for approval took over two weeks for us to get, with all due respect, approved to the Apple platform. Approximately 80 million Americans, 28% of the U.S. 12-plus population, are now weekly podcast listeners, a 17% increase over 2020. The overall monthly podcast listening audience is now more diverse than ever. 57% of monthly podcast listeners are white, 16% Latino, 13% African American, 4% Asian, and 10% of other backgrounds. Now, podcast is long-form content, which means it's different than other platforms. You cannot compare downloads to, say, for instance, clicks on a YouTube video. For instance, our podcast, we've been up for almost five weeks. In our first 10 episodes, we are nearing 7,000 downloads. The preferred method of those listening to our podcast is by mobile phone. The preferred mobile phone device is Apple iPhone. Our top three markets are Anchorage, Wasilla, and Juneau. And over the last five weeks, we have submitted over 1,700 hours of content has been consumed by listeners. This year, U.S. adult listeners will spend an average of 34 minutes a day on podcasts. The number of podcasts continues to grow, and they continue to get more specific. TikTok has probably been the greatest success story. 44% of 12 to 34-year-olds are using TikTok, up from 25% last year, an increase of 76%. The latest TikTok statistics show that as of January, the platform has 689 million monthly active users worldwide. That makes TikTok the seventh largest platform in terms of users ahead of Snapchat, Pinterest, and Twitter. Just to give you an idea of how other apps performed in comparison with TikTok's growth, it took Instagram six years from its launch to gain the same amount of monthly active users that TikTok managed to achieve in under three years. Facebook, widely known as the king of social media, took more than four years to achieve what TikTok managed to achieve in under three years. 
In the future, these platforms will become increasingly popular because it creates a direct relationship between the artists, the performers, the podcasters, and their fans to be free from being at the whims of platform algorithms. The second growing cultural trend is that brand purpose and activism have gained incredible importance. It's no secret that a growing number of corporations and global brands are engaging in social activism based on its own beliefs, purposes, and values. For example, last year, major banks announced they would not lend capital to oil developments in Anwar. This was a nod to large block shareholders who are demanding action on climate change. Last week, Exxon shareholders replaced three of their 12 board members after facing mounting criticism for its response to climate issues while many of their rivals have launched long-term strategic plans to include more renewable resources, Exxon was falling behind. Exxon was a case of a brand not being active enough. Recently, Major League Baseball canceled its planned All-Star game in Atlanta after the Georgia State Legislature enacted a strict new voting law that they and many large corporations like Delta Airlines and Coca-Cola felt were attempts to disenfranchise minority voters. In both of these cases, the company's CEOs publicly criticized the legislature's actions. The CEO, not the press department, the chief executive officer. Because today, failing to respond to shareholder and customer expectations about brand activism is no longer an acceptable corporate strategy. A Deloitte survey found that in 2020, 19% of customers strongly agreed that purpose-driven brand actions positively affected their purchasing behavior. According to Nielsen, 81% of consumers feel that companies should take action to improve the environment. And finally, Edelman's Trust Barometer found that 81% of consumers say they expect brands to do the right thing, and 71% say that placing profit before people will lose their trust forever. According to Exploding Topics, here are the five reasons why. First, Gen Z is growing in influence, and they aren't stopping. Gen Z gets hooked on impact, especially when it comes to social activism. Gen Z also has tremendous buying power, an estimated $143 billion worth in the United States alone. And let's face it, buying power is buying power. Number two, activism moves the PR machine and increases brand awareness. The willingness to build a foundation that's not driven by PR has been really good for business. Brands that have focused on impact over attention have received the most press and enjoyed the most benefit. Number three, people expect brands to fill the gap. By choosing brands that align with their values, shoppers are voting with their wallets for the kinds of businesses they want in the world while paving the way towards a more sustainable and just economy. Purpose-driven brands perform better. According to Deloitte, Purpose-driven companies witness higher market share gains and grow three times faster on average than their competitors, all while achieving higher workforce and higher customer satisfaction. Number five, and finally, brand activism is paving the road to growth. By leading with purpose, being authentic in how they tell stories, many of these companies are outpacing their competitors and leaving an impact on everyone they touch. The third and final major cultural trend happening in America is that communities are moving online. Humans have a need for community, and that need is, more than ever, being fulfilled by online communities. Instead of being restricted by geography, people are now finding groups of peers with similar interests and hobbies around the world. For instance, Facebook reports that there are now 1.8 billion people using Facebook groups every month. That number has grown by 28% just in the last year alone. In addition, one of the largest hubs for niche online communities, Reddit, has seen impressive user and engagement growth over the last 18 months. 
Amid the COVID-19 lockdowns, people have been turning to social media to stay connected, and online groups in particular. They've seen a significant increase in engagement users look to maintain social activity while being unable to get together. The key findings from a recent Facebook's Community Insights survey are fairly interesting. First, COVID-19 has brought out the best in communities. 91% of respondents said they have given some form of support to others through a group or community during the pandemic. 86% have said they received some form of support from others. The second thing is online communities are thriving. 77% say the most important group they are part of now operates online. Today, Instead of being restricted by geography, people are now finding groups of peers with similar interests and hobbies around the world. So to sum up three of the prominent social trends, more Americans are becoming creators, more Americans expect their brands to behave morally and responsibly, and more Americans are creating communities online specifically tailored to their interests. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there is the music. That means our time is up. Mr. Sanders, would you throw us your website details? Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, if you visit abodabobrand.com, that's A-B-O-D-A-B-O-B-R-A-N-D.com, you can see a little bit more about what I do and uh, touch base with me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is our time, and we certainly thank you for yours.